Welcome back to a, another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats featuring Katie and Izzy. Hi. Thanks for joining us. It truly is a welcome back because you weren't here for our last episode, our Father's Day episode. I hope you guys had fun. I uh, I needed a break. I was exhausted. There was just so much going on. So I'm, I'm glad that we could bring a father on and do a father podcast. It was other episode. Not a great episode for dads, because uh, he nope. was a shitty dad. <laughs> yep. But it was fun. But Tyler's not a shitty dad. He's also a decent cat dad, which is something. A he, decent cat dad. <laughs> something he thought he'd never be. So. Oh, I gotta tell you this really fast. So Lydia, we were letting her go outside again. Well, that shit stopped. Because I guess she got in a fight with another cat or something, and a cat bit her on the ass. And I mean, like, there's puncture wounds, teeth mark. Like, we had to, like, shave around it. So you call her, we called her bald butt right now. She found Ted Bundy reincarnated as a cat. Yeah. But, like, it was, it was pretty rough. Like, she had a pus pocket and everything. Luckily, we got it cleaned out. It's, she's doing better. It's healing really nicely and stuff. But, Solid puncture wounds, man. Just in her butt. I felt so bad. But she's okay now. But she's not allowed outside again. <laughs> Poor baby. Yeah. She's a G-thug. But she's also an old lady now, so... Yeah, it's just easier to keep her inside so she doesn't get injured anymore. We don't need more animal pills. Nobody does. I still gotta come up with... $1,200 for a Bilbo surgery, so. That's fun. Yay, cat love. Woo! <laughs> so, getting into this week's episode. I love this movie. I'm really excited that we're doing this movie. We so. are really switching it up. Uh, so the conjuring really kind of beat us down. That was exhausting. So we're doing something yeah. lighter. <laughs> and it's, it's a solid, like, throwback that just... From what I know, most people love this movie, no matter what. It's definitely so. a cult following. It did not do well when it came out. No. And like The Craft, I think. I don't think The Craft did well when it came out. But now it's like huge. Mm -hmm. And without further ado, Katie, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about Practical Magic from 1998. So it's not really a horror movie, but there's a zombie in it, kind of. There's some necromancy. There's witches. Mm-hmm. Uh, murder. Possession. Murder. Yeah. So, it's pretty legit. Blowing and... a candle on. <laughs> I know. I love this movie so much. I watch it probably too much, but I okay. wa I watch it often. I'm so glad it was on H. It's on HBO Max for anybody out there that hasn't watched it in a long time or doesn't own it. <laughs> you can also rent it through a bunch of places, but it's free um, on HBO Max. Yeah. This was directed by Griffin Dune, who, from what I saw, didn't really have anything notable that I cared about to talk about. So we'll just blow right past him and talk about the cast. <laughs> cool, because the cast is big. So it starts off with uh, Sally Owens, who is played by Sandra Bullock. I love this woman. I love Sandra Bullock. I think she's a wonderful woman. Everyone knows her. She's in everything worth seeing and... She's great. She's a wonderful soul. Beautiful yes. actress. Same with her 
on-screen sister, Jillian Owen, who's played by Nicole Kidman. Who is also beautiful. Satine in Moulin Rouge. Ugh, her voice Those, those two forever. together, uh, like they act they're solid well together, but like they're just amazing human beings individually. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yep. That's one of the reasons I really like this movie is because they're in it. Not to mention the ants are pretty fucking bomb too. I love these. I love yes. these women. Yes. So Aunt Frances is played by Stockard Channing. Um, she's kind of known more for like Greece. She was Rizzo in Greece. Um, she's in a lot of older movies. Yes. Um, not necessarily like horror genre ones, but she's well known for. She's in a podcast. Being in parts. Ooh, which one? It's called The Pack Podcast. Oh, it's a video short. It came out last year. I don't know. Hey, but she's a beautiful actress. So. Stalker Channing, you want to be on Horror Cats and Witch Hats? <laughs> yeah. We would gladly have you on. Um, Aunt Frances, her sister. Nope. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Nope, nope. You're good. You're good. Okay. You're good. Okay. I- her sister is Aunt Jet, which is short for Bridget. Fun fact. I don't know if they actually say that in the movie, but I don't think they do. Uh, her real life name <laughs> is Diane Weist or Weist. Weist. It's Diane Weist. I love Diane Weist. She's amazing. Why do you love her, Katie? Well, she's obviously the mother in Edward Scissorhands. Duh. But not, and she is the most wonderful woman in that movie. But also, she is in a bird in the birdcage. uh, If you've ever seen the birdcage, which is probably one of my absolute favorite um, movies, it's just one of my favorite movies in general. But she plays a mother of a a very like right conservative uh politician and so she's like very straightforward and then she talks to a family of of gay men and everything it's a it's a wonderful movie watch the birdcage such a beautiful movie and of course it has robin williams on it yes it's you know he's happy it's a comedy it's funny but diane weist is wonderful i love that woman she is very her like she's her voice is very soft-spoken but she has such a presence Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. She's perfect. She plays like that. She really does play the perfect motherly character, though. <laughs> so it's just great. Um, What? The villain for this movie is Jimmy Angel. And that is played by Goran Visnijic. He is a foreign actor. And... I don't know if he was in very many big American parts. Really fast. It's Jimmy Angelove. And then later on, you get Sally Owen's daughters, um, who the youngest daughter, you don't know. <laughs> she's she's in a whole of three things. That's it. Two movie or two TV series and this movie. Her name is Alexandria Artit, Artrip. But then you get the eldest redheaded daughter, whose name is Kylie, and she is played by Evan Rachel Wood, who a lot of people nowadays know from Westworld or as I know her from um, Across the Universe. She looks totally different. I did not put those together. I didn't either. I I looked at that and I was like, you're kidding me. And then I all of a sudden realized, yeah, nope, it's definitely her. So I think that's really cool. And 
you also at the very beginning get to see Ali, sorry, get to see Sally as a child and her 11 year old self is played by Camilla Bell, who is the main actress in When a Stranger Calls. Which is a terrible movie to watch when you're babysitting like I did for the very first time. I saw it in theaters. That was like the first scary movie that I saw in theaters. I was a dumbass that watched it while the kids were in bed while I was babysitting. And I was like, fuck, I need to check the children. <laughs> Don't do that, guys. Don't scare yourself when you're babysitting. It's kind of terrifying. Ah, so into the movie we go. This movie's 23 years old? 98? Yes. Almost 25 years. Because I math. <laughs> <laughs> math is hard. Let's all remember this. So... And teachers lied to you about math classes. You'll never have a calculator always with you. Bullshit. Sorry. I hold that grudge against math teachers. <laughs> Yeah, there's also the lie they told you about writing in cursive. You can't write in oh, pen. Yeah. yeah. You'll have to write everything out in college. Yeah. Yes. Good days. Back to the movie. So, a kind of brief, but probably more detailed than we intended it to be, rundown. Like always. Like yeah. always. I did a good job in the last episode, okay? It was real brief, and Tyler was ill-prepared. He was like, wow. I thought we were going to talk a lot more about the movie, uh, like, happenings than we did. And I was like, no, 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 no. I had shit to say after. (laughs) There you go. Fun fact, uh, for the first time in four episodes, this is not based off a true story. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Wow. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. So, this movie starts out with, like, a... What is I'm trying to say? A narration (laughs) of like their family history. And he learned that it's about a family with 200 generations of women, starting with a witch who was scorned and exiled to an island where she raised her baby alone. And she spent her time on this island waiting for like the love of her life and father of her baby to show up. Again, not a good Father's Day movie, this one. No, definitely Uh, not. (laughs) Yes, it's very... Very Hua women, so. Uh, but her love never shows up, and she gets so sad that she ends up cursing any man that dare fall in love with an Owens woman. So all generations of women, if anyone falls in love with them, basically they die. The man dies. And the Owens women Pretty much every generation has a dark-haired daughter and a red-headed daughter. (laughs) Sorry. Shouts to the redheads. So I'll talk more in detail about this later. But in the movie, it basically says that women, all the Owens women just have girls. But there's a book. This is based off a book. Uh, There's a book where there's actually a son in one of the generations. I do want to read the book. I've heard it's We'll talk about it. We will get there. Okay. Cool. And so the mother of Sally, who's Sandra Bullock, and Jillian, who's Nicole Kidman, she ends up dying of a broken heart when her husband dies, supposedly because of the curse. And they move in with their aunts, Jet and Francis, 
where they basically get to just be children and learn the magics. In this house, we ate cake for breakfast. I know. And we never do homework. Like, you stay up as late as you want. Yeah, man. I love it. Uh, so the aunts are basically outsiders in this town because everyone knows that they're witches and they are typical. You guys are evil, worshipping the devil, cursing everybody. They just blame them for everything bad that goes wrong in their life. Until the townsfolk need help with a spell or something. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we'll help you. But, you know, remember, you talk shit on us. So their specialty is love spell or their Mm -hmm. specialty is, yeah, doing love spells for Mm -hmm. scorned townswomen who come. Pretty much. You find out that Sally is very, like, naturally gifted in the way of the magics. uh, But she isn't, like, super thrilled about it. Whereas Jillian wants to be really good at it but she just like it doesn't come naturally for her she also doesn't have the discipline that i think magic needs for it to be as powerful as she wants sally yeah like you like you learn in charm there's no (laughs) self-gain so sally is very like studious and she's the girl who follows the rules whereas jillian's free she's a free spirit definitely yeah big time definitely uh, so young Sally does a spell because she hopes that she never falls in love because she doesn't want to like get heartbroken. She doesn't, she doesn't want to die of a broken heart like her mom. Exactly. And so she makes this spell where she calls like the perfect, her idea of the perfect man, which she mm-hmm. intentionally creates to be impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in like that way. I think I think that spell is adorable too, and I'm pretty sure you and I tried to do something of the sorts back in the day when we were children. Because um, <laughs> Lord knows we did all this kind of bullshit when we shouldn't have, but we did. I don't think it was a love spell so much as it was Not like either. just a perfect man spell. No, I don't remember. We did a lot of things with other things that we. I didn't care about love like Boys. that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I remember doing stuff. I just don't remember what yeah. exactly. But yeah. But yeah, it is it's pretty adorable. And she's like so smart for being how she young. Picks she picks out like very specific like things that he loves, like his favorite shape, his eye color, like all that kind of stuff. And I think that's really smart for a really young girl to do if she doesn't wanna fall in love. If she were smart, she would have done like purple eyes. <laughs> like, yeah. A tail. But then you- <laughs> <laughs> I need a fluffy tail. And then a cat would come wandering up and she'd be great. There you go. Like, I'm in love! <laughs> um, meanwhile, Jillian, as we say, is a very open and free spirit. So she kind of, she's, they even say she, in the movie that um, Sally doesn't want to fall in love while Jillian's like, I can't wait to fall in love. And I think that's a really cute kind of like comparison between the two. Well, because. Go for it. I was going to say, because they grow up and it's like completely different in the eyes of one to the other well you see that like as children they really didn't know what love was so that was right part of it because jillian she falls quote in love with tons of guys but it's not love it's just like lust and wanting to be loved so and i also think it's a way for her to kind of escape her aunt's house in which case you know that's kind of where you get the sense of she's first running away as soon as she can when they're young adults and she travels and she goes like a, no, a nomad from man to man and just kind of finds herself in different places. 
and writes postcards to Jilly or to to Sally. <laughs> and the ants feel bad that Sally is alone and growing up to basically just be a old, little old bitty, I guess, is what they one of them. <laughs> so they end up casting a spell to get her a man friend, but she ends up falling in love with them and falling in love with him, and they have two girls together. But because of the curse, he dies, and Sally's pissed. And so her and her two daughters move in with the ants, and she starts off right away being like, we will not do magic, we will not eat cake, and we will do your homework. And the ants are like, (laughs) okay, you do you. (laughs) Yep, basically. So Sally is very depressed because she lost the love of her life, and Jillian can, like, sense her pain. They have, like, a... It's most, almost like a twin it's like thing. A t- yeah, exactly. Um, so Jillian drugs her boyfriend at the time, which is super healthy for that relationship. And yeah. drives up, visits Sally. They spend however much time. I'm assuming it's almost like 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, together. And she's like, you got to get your shit together, Sally. Your daughters need you. And you learn that Jillian has fallen in lust with an abusive and possessive man named Jimmy Angel. And that is why she drugged him with an herb called Belladonna. That way she can get some sleep and space away from him because apparently she he's just consistent and persistent. Yes. And Sally is like, uh, Jillian, that's not healthy. Like, ding, 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 red flags. And Jillian's <laughs> this like, This is not a good place. But it's love. But it's not. <laughs> so it turns out that Sally was right. It was not a healthy relationship. He was not a good guy. Because Jimmy ends up hitting Twist. Jillian at some point. Exactly. Uh, Jimmy hits Jillian. And when Sally goes to rescue Jillian and bring her home. Oh, broke my clip. He good ends job. up kidnapping them. And he is basically about to kill Jillian. They trick him into drinking his alcohol that they slipped Belladonna into, but he accidentally overdoses and dies. No big deal. It's fine. Yeah. But it was like great timing because... He he was straight up choking Jillian. Like, she was on her way out at that point. Yeah. He had no reservations against killing them. Jillian convinces Sally to use the ant's spell book to bring him back to life so that another... Neither of them get in trouble. And they have But you know, that's a terrible idea. That is always the terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Don't bring people back from the dead. They never come back right. It's exactly like the episode from Buffy, uh, when yeah. Willow well, And when, Dawn bring back Well, yeah. Dawn the, brings with back Willow's Joyce. Help try to bring yeah. back Joyce. And they tell her like She's going to come back, but it's not going to be your mom. And that's the exact yeah, same warning that the ants give to Sally when she tries to bring her husband back. So they yep. know all the warning signs. So don't do it. <laughs> the ants figure out that something is up and say, fix it yourself. We're, we're leaving. And, we're t- <laughs> and good luck. <laughs> yeah. Which They're is- like, we're taking the girls. You guys deal with this shit. They're pretty tolerant considering... Sally they like raised those girls and Sally was moved in and was just like shit on everything that yeah. they do and who they are and uh they just were like you know what we love you regardless well, but 
So the next day, a special investigator shows up trying to hunt down Jillian for information on Jimmy Angel. And he is investigating a case where Jimmy is suspected of murdering a woman by strangling her and branding her with his ring, which is exactly what he was doing to Jillian in the car. Exactly. He and Sally are like clearly vibing this whole time. And she's like, I can't lie to him. I don't know why. And it turns out that he is the definition of the spell she did as a child. From the same fa- the the same shape to the eye color. <laughs> so basically, the spell goes awry. Of course, Jimmy ends up possessing Jillian, and just in time, the ants arrive to help. Thank fucking God! <laughs> I know. Sally ends up calling a bunch of women in the town, and they all show up more out of like curiosity than the best. Anything. No, the best thing is that she calls the school tree. <laughs> She calls all the moms from the school, the, the the school parent tree, and none of them wanted her on the list. None of, none of them trusted her in the first place. And now she's like, we need your help. Bring a broom. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, I'm surprised you showed up. And she's like, I just wanted to see the inside of your house. <laughs> so I figured that most of them were just like excited to be included because. I would think so. It's not so much that they it's, you know. The idea that people fear what they don't know. So because they are getting to see what's happening, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's great. And plus they were playing on like women need to help women. She was she's being abused by a man. We need your help. And all of them were like, I'm there. Okay, yeah. And I think that's amazing, too. So so they end up breaking the curse because Jillian and Sally's love like too fucking strong, man. Yeah, it's stronger (laughs) than anything else. And so their love for each other breaks the generational curse. Men are safe everywhere to fall in love with them. And they are finally accepted into the town. Sally lives happily ever after with the officer and, and her all kid. is well. Yeah. The only one who like doesn't end up like super happy at the end or noticeably happy is Jillian. She's just kind of like, I guess I'm just going to live here for a while. <laughs> she's just turning into her aunts that's all it is it's yeah the story is mostly about sally yes so some fun background stuff because that's what we do uh aiden quinn's character who's the sheriff of the movie i don't know where i was going with that (laughs) The I don't remember guy. what town he is. But yeah, he's he's the uh, he's the investigator that comes looking for Jimmy. Uh, he has something called heterochromia iridium, and that is where his eyes are different colors. That's what that is called. So mm-hmm. heter- heterochromia is from the Latin word hetero for different and chromia for color. And iridium is a harmless condition in which one iris is colored partially or completely different than the other. It's per- it's like kind of rare. It's uh, more commonly seen in dogs and cats. But there are famous people who have that condition. And it's mm-hmm. people like Kate Bosworth, Mila Kunis, Jane Seymour are the ones that I found. Obviously, there's much more, but... That's a lot more digging than we needed. <laughs> I just thought it was... Uh... I love Mila Kunis, and I actually didn't know that about her, so that's kind of cool. 
Yeah. But nowadays there's the color correcting contacts, so nobody knows what whose real eye color is what nowadays. Minor pure black. It's the white part that is a <laughs> contact for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to look normal. Um, another cool part is in the movie, Sally owns a, bot a botanical shop that she makes all of her um, stuff. Apparently, her husband really liked her face. What was it? The the face mask because it was oatmeal and he couldn't stop eating it. <laughs> um, but it's called verba uh, verbena. And verbena is a flowering plant that has a long has long been associated with the divine and supernatural forces. So, just leads back to more magical um, connections. Red red strings, right? More red strings. Which is funny because she was very like anti magic, so she definitely did that. And then her store is built off of herbs and herbal mm -hmm. remedies, yep. because she does you know she does lotions, oils, shampoos those kind of things and people come to her with medical stuff to get help for that even though mm -hmm. she's like shunned but again until they need help um, so she like even though she tries to escape it she's like a witch forever and the black dog that followed sally's husband michael just before he died which going back that death scene was ridiculous <laughs> When you first so long and long standing, it's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's absolutely the dumbest death scene it in is. the world. Because it's so bad. You know he's gonna die. It's one of those ones where you're like waiting for something to happen, and you see these opportunities for it to happen, and you're like, uh, 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 and then is he like, he like falls into the road while some bicyclists are coming through like a tournament like yeah and you think for a second you're like no shit is this guy about to get murdered by a bicycle <laughs> and then he's and they fine. all go around him and then he gets hit by a truck which apparently my they like didn't stop traffic for this race no nope. my favorite was like they all went around him and he's just sitting there like waving his hair in the sun in he's between like, their winds he's just like <laughs> oh thank god um but yeah, and then he gets hit by this random truck, which shouldn't have been there, nor should it have been going very fast because that's a main town center. Like, it just didn't make sense. But it was, yeah, it was obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was funny. But anyways, the black dog, um, if you're a Harry Potter fan, is basically the Grim. It, it is the Grim. That's what it is. And it's a sign of impending death, which can take the form of a black dog. So it was kind of cool that they, like, again, included that little divination thing. Um, so as we mentioned earlier, this book is based off... Uh... This movie is based off a book. You right? <laughs> <laughs> this book is based off a book. Well, yes, but it's actually a movie. <laughs> this book is a book that is a book that is also a movie, which is a book first. And this book... So there's a book, book include, included. <laughs> yes. And this book that was a book, which became a movie, but is based off a book is called written by alice alice hoffman yeah, it's called oh, practical it. magic by alice hoffman and it was published in 1995 hey i was born that year so they pretty much turned around almost immediately and made that book into a movie yeah and she also wrote she's written a ton of books i went to the library because i wanted to find practical magic and there were like 13 books none of them were practical magic of course i haven't been to the library since i was in college i go i go to the library all the time because connor reads a lot of books so. i was gonna say you have a child you have a good excuse i just need to go to the library it's... but i don't have a library card anymore listen people 
if you have a kid, like, yes, it's fun to buy them books, but unless it's something they're going to read over and over again, just go to the library. One, you need to support that shit anyways, because it's a great resource. Not everyone has the ability to buy $20 books that your kid's going to read once. But two, you're not wasting your money and nobody buys books off of Facebook Marketplace. So you're not going to resell that. (laughs) So just go to the library. Anyways, soapbox to the side. Uh, Let's see. Alice Hoffman also wrote a novel, which... Nope, I read that already. What am I doing? Oh, so she wrote a second book, uh, which is a prequel to Practical Magic. It came out in 2017, and it is called The Rules of Magic. And the story follows the ants, Francis and Bridget, or Jet, and... Franny. And their brother, they have a brother, that's the one I was talking about. Um, It follows them as children and like growing up in this family and discovering magic. So I did rent this book. I'm in the middle of reading it. And by middle, I mean, I'm on the 10th page. I just haven't had the time. But (laughs) it sounds like me reading. But what I've learned so far is actually pretty interesting and really helps explain some of the stuff in Practical Magic just from that very beginning so each child that's born into this family has like a particular magical gift and there's always one that's like sally which is you know fairly restricted and then one child is very free willing bridget or jet her magical gift is um she can talk to birds like she has this special connection with birds and she can see things in the future kind of Bridget, Phoebe style. I want to say Bridget, her special thing is like telepathy. Um, like she can sense she's more empathic and she wait, can like wait, 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 you said Bridget twice. Sorry, Francis. There you go. Is her, I think if I remember hers is like a telepathy thing, so she can read what's going on with people and see people's auras and stuff like that. Um, and then their brother was gifted at music. That's as far as I got so far. But they were also raised in a household where magic was shunned. They kind of just figured it out on their own. So it sounds like every generation has one of the kids, like, is like, I shun magic. (laughs) But they figure it out anyways because it's in their blood. So HBO is actually working on a 10-episode series that is based off the rules of magic. It's set in the 1960s, New York City, and the series follows the two sisters and the brother whose name is Vincent, by the way. And I'm wondering if the book explains why he's not around. I don't know. Um, Maybe dies at an early age or something. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, But basically, it's just them like figuring out that they're witches and how they are going to deal with that and growing up. Sweet. I'm excited for that. I know. I haven't seen a release date for it. So I'm hoping that it actually happens. It's supposed to come out in this year, but it might have been delayed because of COVID and stuff. So I don't know. God damn it. Some of the differences between the book Practical Magic and the movie. uh, The movie plays more on the ants and the uh, sisterhood of Sally and Jillian than the book does. The book, I guess, focuses more on the daughters of Sally, which you barely see in the movie. Yeah, you don't get a lot of them. Uh, The ants play a bigger part in the movie than they do in the book. 
And then Jimmy, Jillian's abusive boyfriend, is a more fully developed character in the book. Like in the movie, he's just kind of like the shitbag. That's all he is. But I guess in the book, he's more complicated, which would make it more obvious as to why Jillian would fall in love with him and stick around as long as she did. And uh, the movie has the midnight margarita scene, which should be everyone's favorite part. It Um, is like, it should be everybody's favorite part. You bet your ass I do midnight margaritas. And I still do midnight margaritas. That, of course, is not in the book, but it's a great addition for the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it was a very beautiful addition for the movie. That was because that's something that has been like in my knowledge since I first saw this movie to be something fun and like I always we I grew up watching our parents drink margaritas when they were together during the summer and shit so I grew up wanting virgin margaritas and virgin pina pina coladas which I still drink every fucking time it's the summer I love pina coladas too it's a problem as soon as my dad taught Katie and I how to make like the virgin margaritas we probably it was done we we stole the blender (laughs) and one night on a vacation that we went on (laughs) this is the mexico vacation yes we made probably four blenders worth of yeah pina coladas it was a lot it was was so good and then by the time i came out to visit you in north carolina i was able to drink and so it was just constant pina coladas maybe one time we'll record doing midnight margaritas Yes, I'm and, so in. And then we'll just get drunk and it'll be hilarious. And we will post it as like a blooper because it will not make any sense. It'll just be nope. us laughing the whole time. <laughs> and slurping, laughing and slurping. And then you'll go, fuck, there's ice. <laughs> Basically. It'll be a whole lot of that. And Worth it. Worth it. It'll be fun. We'll do it. Uh, Yeah. Good times. Things coming next episode be prepared for some fun things yes anyways behind the scenes yeah um the house that the ants live in i have always been incredibly jealous of it's like a beautiful greenhouse with a giant garden and yard area right off the cliff of this this gorgeous victorian house oh yeah and i mean you get the a perfect shot like of the the daughters walking up to it and like seeing the whole house but it's right off the like on the cliff to the water it's so perfect (laughs) so the exterior shots of the house are uh just shots of like a shell of a house that they built it's not an actual house which is so upsetting yeah i i would have happily just gone my life from like thinking it was a real house and someday hoping to travel and find it but it's not so it was built specifically for the movie and then it was torn down afterwards it was built by robin standifer and stephen alesh of roman and i'm sorry i think that's supposed to say robin and williams or roman and williams i think it's it makes sense with me. uh which is their company name it's a husband and wife who do interior designing uh, slash construction and they do beautiful work if you look at their website they have done designing for residences of actors such as ben stiller kate hudson gwyneth paltrow they have built for movies including caveman's valentine and zoolander um, on top oh, okay. of practical magic of course 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also rumored that Barbara Streisand called them after this movie came out trying to buy this house. And that's when they were like, it's not a real house. And she was so disappointed. Barbara Streisand and I have the same idea. <laughs> and so this exterior shots of this house that they've fabricated, it was built and filmed at Washington's San Juan Island. Um, this is like D.C. Washington, by the way, not state Washington, I think. Yes. Uh, I think it's called the Friday Harbor, maybe. Um, it is also built on an old burial ground, Indian burial ground. So that's why they couldn't build like a real house. Uh, but they that makes sense. specifically wanted this like beautiful cliff face, uh, which I mean, take what you will. But they did get permission to do it. They just could not disrupt the ground at all. Okay. So they ended up putting like a a base down, like a stage kind of down, and then they yeah, built that the house on top of that so that the ground was not disturbed at all. Well, that's cool. At least they went through and got the permission, like the okay to do that. Yeah. I'm hoping that they uh did it the right way and it wasn't like a coercive or manipulative yeah. kind of a deal. You know, typical white people in America taking advantage thing yeah but we digress uh the majority of the plants for the garden around the house were also artificial which is sad god damn it i know their garden is beautiful it's it really is it took them six months to build this frame and then it got torn down and i'd be so sad probably got a lot of money for it though and let's see the town that they used for Sally's shop, like where they would walk around and stuff, is called Coopville on Whidbey Island in Washington. And each fall, the waterfront village of Coopville celebrates the anniversary of the release of Practical Magic because they realized it was a big touristy thing. So that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the Little Redhead Bakery was used for Sally's shop for Baina Botanicals. So that oh, was cool. Okay. They also hired a witch to consult while they were doing this movie because they wanted to make sure they got some of the details correct. Which is even better. <laughs> Just wait. It gets saucy. So oh. the director reports that she called him demanding more money as compensation. And when he refused to give up more money, because she was getting paid, but she called and was like, I deserve more. And he mm-hmm. said, yeah, that's not really in the budget. <laughs> She left him a voicemail threatening a curse. The woman also attempted to sue Warner Brothers, but the studio paid her basically to make it just go away. They're like, okay, fine, just go. Just do your own shit. Bye. (laughs) So to make sure that he wasn't negatively impacted by any black magic that may have come through that voicemail, I guess, he decided to get an exorcism. That's so funny. You can't hear it, but Caitlin's laughing. (laughs) It's so funny. I need an exorcism. Why? Are you possessed? No, but I'm pretty sure there's black magic on me. <laughs> How? A wit? I pissed off the wrong witch. I just I just think of that we just watched The Devil Made Me Do It. It's, and I'm like, wow. So you ain't got an exorcism for that while this poor eight-year-old child is suffering. <laughs> kind of. But she was a Satanist. This is witchcraft. A little bit different. But also... Fair. She, If she's cursing people like that, she clearly isn't a witchy witch. 
like a she's good not practicing in the, yeah she's not practicing in the right light ways because we all know the three rules of three or whatever whatever you put out comes back at you threefold that's like mm-hmm. a base of witchcraft karma's a bitch yes <laughs> so the uh director i guess mm-hmm. dune told vulture magazine that it was a very simple new agey ceremony quote unquote entailing many chants and smoke and stuff like that when asked why he sought the exorcism the director replied if you're a person with any kind of spiritual sensibility or if you believe in a kind of higher power you're open to beliefs in many things but with that open-mindedness comes risk he added that for his own wrong yeah for his own peace of mind the ceremony was worth the hundred bucks he paid so it wasn't a catholic ceremony i just want to make sure people understand it wasn't like a catholic exorcism like in the conjurings it was a witchy based or more cleansing than anything i would say it's more more like a cleanse than an actual like exorcism in itself there you go cleansing is the correct word i don't think exorcisms are a thing i don't know at me if i'm wrong but um yeah i like cleansing um but he's not wrong like it's very skeleton key where he said uh the movie skeleton key if you haven't seen it uh it can only affect you if you believe in it so it's cool He's that he not believed wrong with in that it, kind of idea too yeah no i think that's great um one of my favorite behind the scenes facts is that apparently most of the cast and crew got very tipsy while filming midnight margaritas because who wouldn't <laughs> plus they, ha- they had to act drunk in that entire scene anyway so i mean might as well be drunk to act drunk i say <laughs> Um, I think that's one of uh, Miss Bullock's and Kidman. That's one of their like favorite anecdotes for this movie is that they were legitimately tipsy. And there was lots of... I don't think the dancing was scripted. I think that that just kind of happened and they went with you it. You know, when you're tipsy, you like to dance. And I can imagine that just simply going and working in, a, in secretized circles. It was great. I loved it. I think the only few people that were not drinking were like the person on the camera the cinematographer uh, Mm -hmm. like those kind of people but pretty much everybody else was just drinking midnight margaritas yeah (laughs) yeah that's that's so great so the magazine vulture that dune did the uh interview with that's Mm -hmm. the word they did kind of like their own little focus group about this movie they assembled a coven of actual witches and interviewed them about the movie after they watched it. The women were, quote, incredibly enthusiastic, with two of them cheering the fact that the men in the story are accessories and on the sidelines while the females are front and center. That's right. Uh, some did comment that the use of animals, like the dove, is not mm-hmm. typically promoted in a Wiccan spellcasting. Yeah. You're supposed to wick like... There is a difference between, like, witchcraft and Wiccans, which we'll talk about a little bit later. There's, like, small nuances. So Wiccans are very nature-friendly and, like, good vibes. So witchcraft is, depending on what kind you practice, is different. Yeah. But basically they said, like, yeah, the magic is pretty spot on and we think it portrays, like, a pretty good image. It wasn't hurtful. Which is always good. 
Uh, so Michael Naiman is an acclaimed composer that has been nominated for three Golden Globes and over a dozen other different awards. But uh, he was hired by Griffin at Dune, the, the director, to, uh, to write the film's orchestra score, which he told Soundtrack.net was the best score I think I've ever written for a film that engaged me not at all. <laughs> what a shitbag thing to say. Yeah, for real. Like, I had no interest in this movie whatsoever, but it's a pretty fucking great music. He was like, like, oh, okay. "Um, Considering that I didn't care at all, it turned out pretty damn good. The only reason (laughs) that he says this, by the way, is because when the director turned in the cut to Warner Brothers, the studio executives did not like the music at all. So they ended up dumping his parts so you can't even hear his music so it's easy to come out and be like oh yeah it was so great while backhandedly being like for such a trashy movie um when no one's heard it yeah so like oh cool and what what was the music from this yeah they ended up bringing in composer alan silvestri who composed a new score uh which was actually really good the music's good it's been fixed <laughs> yeah uh you put the lime in the yes the that's it that's the, we that's all it. you need <laughs> this kiss this kiss <laughs> there you go all right <laughs> done so in 2003 and 2010 cbs and abc have both tried to do television series spin-offs the each time they've tried, it was supposed to be like an hour-long show drama focusing on the Owen sisters. Sandra Bullock and Denise DeNovi were on board as producers, although they were not going to star. But they both have like been like, yes, we'll do this. So that's cool. This beautiful bastard. I love Stevie Nicks. <laughs> <laughs> I found out Stevie Nicks is the only woman that my dad would ever leave my mom for. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> But um, I I love Stevie Nicks, and she does contribute two different songs to this movie, um, Crystal and If You Ever Did Believe, which later did become the, uh, well, it later was considered the actual theme of um, the movie. But she, they're, obviously, she's like a witch in herself. Everybody knows this. And so it was just perfect to have that in this whole movie. And it really just put things perfectly together. I love Stevie Nicks, and I think I just I have a friend that got to see them live got to see Fleetwood Fleetwood Mac live and I'm jealous as fuck so I just like to note that like her witchy vibes um came from like such a weird place (laughs) so in the 80s there was a rumor that started that Nyx was a witch and it this rumor was basically based off of her appearance (laughs) they were like oh because she wears shawls and long flowing dresses and like her lyrics are so i don't know ethereal Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously she's a witch and so people have just kind of like played off of this including herself because yeah she's just totally accepted it (laughs) you see her in uh american horror story coming yes Yes. Well, actually, multiple different episodes and seasons of American Horror Story. So, uh, but in Coven, she's like, "Yeah, I'm a witch, bitch. What are you gonna do about it?" Um, so I, I dream to dress like her in the future. I, I do wear the flowy clothing, and I am trying. It's fucking impossible to find a perfect shawl like hers. I'm trying to find one that is in. Um, it's like the shawl from, The Haunting of Hill House, the one that she finds, 
um, and it's really big and has the long tassels. I'm trying to find one of those because I'm so I'm in love. She's like what everyone at Coachella wishes they could be. Yes, <laughs> in my opinion. Not but that that's I've just how been, I wish that but... I could dress all the time. Like, if I could show you some of the pictures of, like, the outfits that I wear, people are like, you dress just like a witch. I'm like, oh. Because I wear long, flowy cardigans and black pants. I'm like, uh, point at one witch, and I'll show you that we are very different. Yeah. Not to mention all the bad, the, the sweats that I wear at home. <laughs> yeah, you're like, uh, I'm only a witch in public, apparently, because at home I am a trash can. So <laughs> I do have that really cool witch hat, though. Fun random fact. Uh, our Instagram got tagged on an Etsy account. For a witch hat designing person who makes hats that hat similar to yours, I guess. Okay. Um, but oh, I we should do a link up. Oh, but I thought it was funny because I'm pretty sure they just searched witch hats, and because it's in our title, they were like, "Oh, you clearly would be interested in this product." <laughs> but they looked but cool. I would. I wouldn't pay for them personally because I'm a broke bitch, but it looked cool. I so I have I have a hat like a, a witch hat kind of dealio. It's one of those popular ones that came out last year that everybody really wanted and it all that shit. It looks more like the uh, Harry Potter McGonagall hat. That and like the Fleur Delacour ones, the blue ones. Kind of, yeah. It's shaped like that. Well, we'll post a picture on Instagram for you and stuff like that. But I. I wore this hat for Halloween this year or in 2020 because I was not in my apartment in Halloween of 2020 because my fiance had COVID and I was avoiding COVID. <laughs> so I was a makeshift basic bitch witch this hell or last Halloween. Makeshift Great. basic bitch witch. We should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, we should. I'd wear it. Uh, so, so back to witchy things. Belladonna, which, as we said, was the herb used to drug slash accidentally kill Jimmy Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's has got a lot of other names. It is well known throughout history. Yeah. So I'm just going to throw like blow through some of these names real fast because they're really cool. Uh, Atropa Belladonna, Atropa Acuminata. Bocifer, Belladonna, Belladon, Belladam, Belegalante, uh, Bouton Noir, Cerise du Diable. Devil. That's all I know. <laughs> Cerise Engrage, Cerise d'Espagne, Devil's Cherries, Devil's Herb, Dival, Duel, Dwayberry, Grande Moray, uh, Great Morel, uh, I'm not even going to try something, De la Cote, Herba Lamor, Something of the death. Uh, oh, herb of death. I guess I can figure that out. Uh, uh, herb du diable. Uh, Indian belladonna. I don't know why they specified Indian. Uh, Murea furis. Naughty man's cherries. <laughs> that sounds so bad. We should also put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Take note. Things we're putting on a t-shirt. Hang on. So there's black cherries, they're poison black cherries, but you want to know my favorite one? The Suchi murdered it, murders berries. I don't know why it's specifically Suchi's murders berries, but it is. Sorcerer's berries and evils, even devil's berries. Those devil's berries. Those devil's berries. 
damn devil's berries. Uh, so they are thought to be the deadly nightshade, which you often hear referenced in, I don't know, culture, pop culture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is supposed to be the, or it's believed to be the poison that caused Juliet to appear dead in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And I guess which would have killed Romeo because he also dies mm-hmm. of poison. Or does he get stabbed? No, he kisses her no. lips and then dies. Yeah. Yeah. He kisses her lips. She stabs herself. <laughs> I think it's also the berry used in the Hunger Games by Katniss and Peeta in the first book, uh, that where they're like about to eat them to kill themselves. Oh, you might be right. Um, it may also be the berries in the Disney movie Brave, where Mama Bear goes out to find berries and she's so proud of herself. And then oh, Merida yeah. is like, okay, but those are poisonous and they're going to kill you. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. She like spits them out. <laughs> That's such a good movie. <laughs> Um, so according to WebMD, the name Belladonna means beautiful lady. Go figure. I actually really love the word Belladonna, and I know it as a name. I don't know what it's from, but I know it as a name. Like a human's name. But I like how they go from like calling it beautiful lady to something like naughty man's cherries. <laughs> the devil's cherries. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was chosen because of a risky practice in Italy. The belladonna berry juice was used historically in Italy to enlarge the pupils of women, giving them a striking appearance. So basically, they wanted us to look like devils with pure black eyes. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> kind of like it just because um, the idea is that when you're in love, your pupils, your pupils are larger. Yeah. So it's just that idea. Um, it's also most likely in the eye drops used by optometrists to dilate pupils for exams. I don't like getting my eyes dilated. I've had to do it multiple times. My dumbass got my eyes dilated, then drove home after I had to get metal shards taken out of my eye because they were rusting. So and I didn't have sunglasses. You're supposed to get your eyes dilated like every other year. Unless you do those, like, the new fancy machines they have that can, like, take pictures of the back of your eye. Otherwise, you should be getting your eyes dilated every other year, at least. <laughs> Just. Not enough people do eye care, but my ass has glasses, so. <laughs> but it is. And also depreciating eyesight thanks to those rusting metal shards. But it is interesting to know that uh, that's a poison that you could, you know potentially use to murder somebody i remember the name sorry belladonna is the name of the princess in your highness <laughs> so there's a movie that i just thought of it's like a psychological thriller and i think the person that dies in it gets killed by belladonna and they figure it out and that was a really awful explanation. <laughs> I was like, what movie is this? <laughs> I'm trying to think of who's in it so that I can Google it. But it's a good movie. Google is our best friend. I'll find it eventually. It might have Frankie Muniz in it. Um, but back to Belladonna. Since 2010, the FDA has been cracking down on homeopathic um, infant teething tablets and gels. And these products may contain inaccurate doses of Belladonna. So serious of side so serious the side effects <laughs> serious side effects include seizures breathing problems tiredness um 
constipation, difficulty urinating, and agitation, uh, agitation that have been reported in infants taking these kinds of products. But in adults, belladonna is used in ointments that are applied to the skin for joint pain, um, pain along with like sciatic nerve damage or um, like general nerve pain. Um, belladonna is also used uh, in like plasters, so medicine-filled gauze like applied to the skin. So those kinds of stuff for mental disorders or inability to control muscle movements um, or excessive sweating or even asthma. Maybe I should try this for my asthma. I found your, it. It's a your movie concentration called... face is hilarious. It's called The Perfect Stranger. And it has I've seen this. Hall- Halle Berry in it. Yeah. And and Bruce Willis, right? Yes. No. And yeah. her friend gets drowned and poisoned with belladonna. Watch it. It's a good movie. It's a psychological thriller. Twist ending in there. My favorite came kind out, of movies. Came out in 2007. Yeah. Just a quick. Pretty count. much anything with Bruce Willis, I'm pretty much down for. I love that man. I have a thing for a lot of bald people. <laughs> My husband's bald. Vin, ma- mainly uh, Vin Diesel. Mainly Vin Diesel. Um, Jason Ty- Statham, who is not necessarily bald, but more like shaved head. Um, and Bruce Willis. Connor's favorite movie right now is The Pacifier. Yes! <laughs> I love Vin Diesel so much. That man is so sexy. Anyways, so, back to more Belladonna. How does it work? So Belladonna has chemicals that can block functions of the body's nervous system. So it it just like, it's kind of a numbing type thing. Yeah. Uh, some of the bodily functions regulated by the nervous system include salivation, sweating, pupil size, urination, digestive functions, and basically everything else. So the compounds that make deadly nightshades so lethal are called atropine and scopolamine. And if you're a Criminal Minds watcher, you have heard of scopolamine. It took over like the last three seasons <laughs> of Criminal Minds. Uh, the evil villain they search for mr scratch uses scopolamine to create hallucinations and like kind of mind control people so it's not a very safe thing (laughs) no it makes you very suggestive so historically the roman military created a deadly paste from the plant that was used to make poison tipped arrows for archers and that was a something they did for centuries so they would tip it in belladonna and then when they shot somebody they would it would go straight into their bloodstream and they'd probably die Hmm. macbeth king of scotland emperor augustus of rome and emperor claudius of rome were all laid to rest at the hand of the deadly nightshade so their deaths were rumored to have been caused by nightshade um belladonna sorry It is also believed that the Scots once knocked off an entire Danish army by leaving them tribute of barrels of beer laced with deadly nightshade. So they did like a Trojan horse thing with beer, which who's going to turn down beer back then? Uh, Their mead. And they just put a shit ton of drugs in it. It's one way to do it. Want to know the best thing about this movie? (gasps) What's that? There's a goddamn cat in it. Ah, finally. (laughs) You get to see a cute little black kitten on a picnic table and, like, playing with the girls. And then when it's at the very end, uh, Jillian is holding it. 
and she's all grown up and it's a beautiful black kitty and it reminds me of my Lydia and those are like the only two times you see it so I don't know where it what it was doing during all of the like nonsense playing outside man but it too much like the ants was like you guys got to deal with your own shit and left (laughs) I'm out of this shit for a minute I'll be back when this is done (laughs) it would have been kind of cool if they had shown more of like a familiar type relationship but like um like kit and charmed yeah where it kind of like warns them even though they aren't really picking up on that but it would have been cool to see it would have been cool yeah we just need to talk about charmed they have everything (laughs) literally like what our entire podcast is based off is just everything charmed (laughs) we'll do an episode by episode breakdown of every episode of charmed there's Lots of, like, Buffy ones that do that. They go, like, episode by episode. There's a Scrubs one. I don't know if you know that. And it has the two main characters in Scrubs, Tuck and JD, I think, do it together. Yeah. And they talk about, like, behind the scenes and stuff like that. So Tucker. No, it's not. He calls him Tuck. It's Turk. Turk. There you go. It's Turk. I was thinking Nip and Tuck. So you Your Tuck fucked me up. But I was like, Tuck is not right. <laughs> you right. I watched Scrubs. I used to watch Scrubs religiously. That movie, that show is so good. Except for the last season. Nobody canceled last season. Yeah, it wasn't a thing. So um, we kind of mentioned earlier that there's slight nuances between Wicca and like witchcraft on its own. So mm-hmm. I was curious and did kind of a quick background into witchy religions. There are tons of different types of religions associated with witchcraft. And the way that they practice witchcraft and the way that they view powers and the world and karma and all that jazz is different for each one, but like very slightly. It's kind of like being like the difference between Lutheran, Methodist, Christian, (laughs) Baptist. It's like that kind of thing. It's all Christian. (laughs) they, They all generally believe in the same thing, but there's like slight differences. Yeah. So a quick... A list of some like different ones that I found. <laughs> um, so there's paganism, which is kind of like the umbrella term, which, like Katie said, is like Christianity, right? The umbrella uh-huh. term for religions other than Abrahamic faiths of Christianity, Judaism, Judaism. <laughs> Judaism. And, there you go. And Islam. Uh, that typically places emphasis on the earth and nature. Its modern-day practitioners are known as neo-pagans. So the origins of Halloween, Christmas, Mm -hmm. all of those are based on pagan practices. Correct. Uh, Wicca is a religion that is kind of new, actually. I didn't know this. This was kind of interesting to me. Um, It is pop become super popular nowadays because of like the rising in paganism i guess Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a religion that is mostly attributed to who's called the father of wicca gerald gardner which in the mid 1900s was when he kind of like created this idea of wicca and the idea is that witches are typically thought of as women but many wiccans are men and worship both god and goddesses what was initially thought of as an anti-monotheistic gesture though has more recently been criticized for espousing heterosexuality and the idea of gender binary which was in part what led to the emergence of a dianic wicca 
So people had issues with the traditional Wicca, which was becoming uh, (laughs) non-PC and was starting to sound non-accepting of people. So they kind of, a group branched off and created the Dianic Wicca in the 70s. And that kind of became more of a feminine one, um, which they only worship goddesses and is basically done in the presence of women, which again proved more problems (laughs) because they aren't accepting of like different genders. So transgender women, non-binary, gender fluid, that kind of thing. Like you have to be a woman. So they either need to adapt or another branch is probably already formed. I'm sure. I think nowadays, most people who say I'm a Wiccan um, don't ascribe to like these specific groups. It's become very like you practice in your own way and they just take kind of like the ideas that they like and go from there. Yep. Um, there's ceremonial, which is a by the book practicing of placing the highest value in ceremonies and rituals. Uh, there's brujeria, an umbrella term for African, Caribbean, and indigenous Latin American witchcraft dating back centuries. It is more often referred to by the word bruja, which is Spanish for witch, and has been reclaimed by Latinx women interested in their heritage and made contemporary by using like the gender neutral term bruhix or bruhix or whatever the Spanish version of X is. I'm not really sure how they pronounce that. I took French. I wouldn't know. I mean, I know what it is in Spanish. I just don't know how they pronounce it in a word. (laughs) So sorry. It's B-R-U-J-X. So sorry, y'all. But those are like... Those were just the four that I thought were relevant. There's this list had like 75 <laughs> different oh, yeah. types. There's there's a lot. And then a lot of people um, categorize witches into like a main, like the main five categories, which are known as the kitchen witch, the green witch, the hedge witch, the electric witch, the eclectic witch, or the uh, solitary witch. But there are so many more. Can I just tell you this? Um, Really fast. A kitchen witch is usually a healer, typically working in plants, tones, um, elementals, and brew potions and things. Might have a talent for cooking. Think Piper from Charmed. It's also, (laughs) um, I think her name was Freya in The Witches of Eastwick. That was a lot like her. Yeah. The green witch is a nature-based and earth-oriented they're connected with the forest and the creatures, specifically herbal remedies. Um, then there's the hedge witch, which is a solitary witch that holds both kitchen and green witch attributes, such as making healing potions and brews in the kitchen. But uh, shaman, sha, sham, sham, shamanic, sure, sure, in uh, practices as they are more spiritual, associated with the um, bird sect as mediator between spirit and people birds act birds act or birds act i couldn't tell you i don't know 
Oh, associated with birds, but they act as a mediator between spirits and people. Oh, there we go. Okay, I'm so, so confused. So, like, Aunt Jet in the... Yeah. Yeah, Practical Magic. I would like to be a green witch, but I have a black thumb and everything that I touch dies. <laughs> Um, there's also the eclectic witch, which is the witch that incorporates many different tradition traditions into their craft, similarly to the chaos witch, but mostly follows guidelines if desired. So it's probably the most commonly the current like witch status of a lot of people. Um, I like to think that right now I've been, I mean, for a long time, I've constantly played with things such as the kitchen witch, um, and recently, I've been able to get my green thumb going for the last about two years and keep my plants alive really well. And they're actually thriving right now, which is if you go to my if you go to my personal Instagram, there's a story link and it has all of my plants on it and pictures and videos. And my plants are beautiful right now. And so I like to think that my green my green witch is coming out a little bit more. <laughs> Thus, there's also like a definition of a solitary, which is basically just someone who doesn't practice with a coven, which I think it's kind of weird to define on its own because you can be in a coven and still practice by yourself. Um, I think it's just a person who doesn't have like an official guidance, which again is probably most people. You can be more than one of any of these, of course. Oh, yeah. There's a, you are not limited by any means. Yes. Basically, what I like about witchcraft is it's kind of like you make it what you make it. There's no one practice. Yeah. So there's a blog called Letters to Lilith, which outlined 45 different types of witches. And I was like, this is redonkulous. Um, it prefaces by saying, unless you are a hereditary witch, which would be like practical magic where it's given mm -hmm. down to you, your path is entirely up to you to choose, which I kind of disagree with because even if it's handed down to you, you can still like choose yeah. a path. But basically you just kind of do what feels right for you witchcraft is a lot about like intuition so yeah um some of the ones that i thought were kind of cool sounding or different or that i had never heard of before there's an augury witch which is a witch who divines omens signs and symbols so a future seer <laughs> mm -hmm. a chaos witch a witch who has a contemporary practice that incorporates many types of magic and is guided intuitively rather than with strict steps so that too is probably what most people who practice wicca or witchcraft are um, they just kind of go with what feels right and they mix a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. A cosmic witch is a witch who focuses on astrology and the placement of the planets, stars, moons. Again, you can combine all of these into your practice. So, mm -hmm. A Luciferian witch is a witch who believes Lucifer as the bringer of light and re reveres the angel for enlightenment, independence, questioning authority, and progressive ideals. So basically, Sabrina. The uh, new one. Yeah, the Netflix version. I can't. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, go. that one. <clears throat> they are. They start out Luciferian. Uh, a Satanic witch, which apparently is different than a Luciferian witch, is a witch that lives by the seven Satanic tenets and is strongly against the constructs of a dictatorial society. It has nothing to do with worshiping the Christian idea of Lucifer. We've talked about like the different ideas of Lucifer. Devil worshiping does exist, like in a different realm of witchcraft there is a thing for that um mm -hmm. but again like slight nuances 
Finally, the shamanic witch is a witch who uses an altered state of consciousness to deliver their magic. So they are... Uh, like astral projection or... So that or I think it's often described as like they kind of get taken over by a goddess or a being okay. to help who like uses them as kind of like a vessel to do these things. I don't like I can't say that for certain, but I think a lot of times that's kind of what they say is happening. Like they mm-hmm. are just a vessel for a goddess gift or something. That would make I I okay. I I can see that. So we should I think it would be really cool to have a coven or like to join a coven. It would be it would be really cool. I'd love to I'd just love to learn like all of that kind of stuff. I really I'd... would. Like I'd I've done stuff on my own we used to dabble with things when we were kids and stuff like that but I would love to actually learn like firsthand from somebody who's either been practicing practicing all their lives or is a lot farther in than I am I just want to get invited to dance naked through the forest on some sort of sol- solstice well I mean like we can do that any day <laughs> but I have a pond in my backyard we could just go swimming naked in the pond in the well, moonlight let's just make sure let's just Let's just make sure that Tonner, that Connor and Tyler, that Tonner. Okay. We've said we love this movie. If you want to join our coven, let, let us, us know. know. Or if you just like want to like discord or zoom session with us and teach us where to even start. Um, shoot Please. us a message yeah, no. or something. We would love to. That would be amazing. Please. Please do. Please do this. Yeah. It's very overwhelming to like figure out where to start. Yeah. But, so, uh, that's Practical Magic. Yes, it's a great movie. Hopefully the TV series is just as good. And as far as villains go, like he wasn't a super great villain. But it's great. It's it, a wonderful movie. If you didn't know, it is the month of July. It is the month of July, which means we have horror movie dates in July. <laughs> I things, don't know what to call this anymore. Things that happened film filmanic horror history <laughs> okay okay so let's start off okay starting uh in 1984 july 10th through the 12th of 1984 it's the events of friday the 13th part two occur <laughs> Woo-hoo. then july 12th through the 14th you get friday the 13th part three the events occur for that one <laughs> then the 14th through the 16th of 1984 it's the final chapter it occurs finally Franny, the final chapter so it's, it's all happening in july it's all the summer camp it's literally like day the 10th through the 16th is covered yeah it's it's all just the friday the 13th and then july 12th through the 14th of 1993 the events of friday the 13th new blood occur because <laughs> it all happens uh in july because summer you know summer camps uh, then in July, on July 4th, 1996, why is it always July 4th? Why is it always Independence Day? Because it's a holiday and it's easy to remember. Yeah, I guess that's That's fair. when people act the stupidest. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. So July 4th, 1996, Benjamin Willis kills David Egan, Julie, uh, Julie James, Rye, Rye, Ray Bronson, Helen Shivers, and Barry William Cox hit a man and dump his body in the lake. This is all I know what you did last summer events. Uh, well, the beginning of I know what you did last summer. Then July 3rd through the 4th 
1997, the full events of I Know What You Did Last Summer occur. The very first one, which has awesome Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, because I fucking love her. Then, July 3rd and 4th, 1998, the events of I Still Know What You Did Last Summer occur. So it happens every single year. Then, July 4th, 2005, Amber Williams, Zoe Warner, Roger Pack, and Colby Patterson pull a prank, according, uh, accidentally resulting in the death of PJ Davis. And that's when you get July what first through the fourth of two thousand six. The events of I always I'll always know what you did last summer occur, because this is what happens every summer. <laughs> and then in two thousand seven, July fourth, Benjamin Willis uh, murders Amber Williams, which all has to do with I still know what you did, or I'll always know what you did last summer. Thank you. That, but the best part of July are the events of Jaws, which is a real life inspiration from the nineteen nineties from nineteen sixteen off the Jersey Shore. Um, if you haven't seen Jaws, you fail in life. I'm just saying. I saw Jaws when I was like five. So those real life events that it's based off of are apparently some of the first murders associated with sharks in the United States. So I read. Interesting. Interesting. Jaws scared the shit out of me as a child. And I still have fear of sharks. I think they're beautiful creatures, but they are terrifying and their eyes are heartless. But like we said in our last episode, basically any summer horror movie falls into this and we will continue to add to these lists. Yes. Every time we watch something new or find more stuff. But if those are the events of July, you have more things to recommend to our film horror history, I guess, lists. Yeah. Or if you want to uh, enlighten us on witchy things start a coven or let us join yours <laughs> yeah your zoom coven uh let us know you can also find all of our show notes pictures of hats and things on our instagram at horror underscore cats underscore witch hats which is the same as our fb facebook page that's right you can also send us a gmail at Horror cats, witch hats, all one word at gmail.com. We would love for you to send us reviews, movie recommendations, whatever you've got going on. Pictures of your cats. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. Like us, follow us, all the good stuff. But most importantly, Remember to always throw spilt salt over your left shoulder. Keep rosemary by your garden gate. Plant lavender for luck. And fall in love whenever you can. But most importantly, pet your cats. Always pet the cats. Kitten meow.